Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. All right, welcome back, beautiful people. This is Forever Young. I'm Dr. John Lakey. And I'm Dr. Payman Daniel. And firstly, I want to thank all of our listeners and viewers because uh, we really appreciate all the feedback you've given us, all the questions you send in, because this is ultimately for you. And uh, we want to make sure that you guys are well-educated. So definitely send more in. Uh, we really appreciate it. Absolutely. Today we have probably, in my opinion, the most exciting guest that we've had so far because um, he is one of the most integral parts of our plastic surgery team. And in the operating room, he's as important as anyone. And I am so excited to have you here, brother. Yeah, listen, our guest today is Dr. Joe Lowenbein, who's a board certified anesthesiologist with an extensive experience in the field of cosmetic and aesthetic surgery. So welcome to the show. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here. You know, I think um, the interesting part is there are a lot of myths that surround uh, anesthesia. And I would say that most of our patients, their number one fear, it's not the pain afterwards. It's not the recovery associated. It's not how they're going to look, but it's the anesthesia. Before we delve into that, I think maybe um, why don't we get a little background about yourself? How did you find yourself uh, into the field of anesthesiology, and specifically, uh, you know, when we talk about the context of cosmetic surgery, because obviously, anesthesia has a, a, a large breadth of what you can do, and uh, kind of bring us through. What was your thought process? Sure, I, I won't take you all the way back, but I definitely will. Uh, you know, I knew at a young age I wanted to be a doctor, and. Uh, you know, through high school and applying to college, I was lucky enough to get a scholarship to, uh, you know, go to school. I, I grew up in Southern California, went to USC, and even USC did such a great job immediately knowing that uh, if you wanted to go into medicine, they set you up with mentorship programs. So you immediately were volunteering at the hospital and the ER doing research. And I ended up staying at USC for medical school as well. And right when you're in medical school, just as you both of you know, you immediately start getting into the academic side and as well as the clinical side. Mm -hmm. um, I thought I always wanted to do surgery. I love the OR setting. I loved anatomy. I loved to draw. I loved my mind really works in a three-dimensional space. And I just loved that aspect of medicine. Um, while you start your clinical rotations, you start realizing that there is medicine and then there's the life of the doctor and how they practice medicine. Sure. And so I ultimately uh, <clears throat> was acutely aware of how that was going to change my life. And I knew that I saw the surgeons and how they went at work. They operated, they had clinics, they had patients. And that was an interesting concept. And um, when I did my anesthesia rotation, I was it was different. It was different in the sense where when I was with the surgeons and I was in the clinic, I always remembered wow, they are double or triple booked every 15 minutes. And I hated feeling that I was not 100% there for the patients. And sure. I had a rush from room to room. Mm -hmm. And when I started the anesthesia rotations, I realized I have one patient. 
And if that surgery lasts one hour or five hours, I'm them. I, you know, I'm there for them the entire time. And I really found that really enticing. And uh, so I kind of, you know, took that road. That's interesting. Uh, you know, uh, I, I totally understand that. Obviously, as surgeons, we, you know, the idea is, especially in residency, you were cycling through as many patients as you could to try to glean that experience. And every now and then, you, you did feel rushed. I mean, the idea was you had to succinctly examine, uh, evaluate, and treat a patient within a particular time period because there's more coming through the door. And so I, I totally respect that. Um, when you're in residency, obviously, you know, I, we have colleagues that are anesthesiologists in a hospital setting, in a pain management setting, in a, you know, cardiac setting, and it, it takes a special person for each one of those. But I also believe that it takes a special person for cosmetic and aesthetic surgery because this is elective surgery. The patient is willingly undergoing the knife and they need a specific type of anesthesiologist to, to make them feel comfortable. So um, how did you navigate your way from you know, learning everything to really saying, all right, this is my the passion? Yeah, that, that is a great question. Ultimately, when I see my day, and the reality is that you're right, these patients have electively come to our practice to do something that they would never have uh, done in, a, in another arena. Uh, they're not in the hospital. They don't need, it's not an appendicitis. They didn't break their arm. So they are willingly giving us their bodies mm -hmm. and trusting us with their most important, um, you know, life. Uh, so yes. And, and for you, the surgeon on your end, you've had weeks, days, sometimes months, sometimes even years to be able to talk and console those patients and walk them through the process. Mm -hmm. Even on the patient side, patients, doctor shop, they go from one surgeon to the next. They love your demeanor. They love your work. They love whatever it is, your referral basis. When I come into that room, I have 30 seconds to gain their trust. Mm -hmm. I have 30 seconds for them to say, okay, I know that I'm worried. I know that I'm scared, but like, I'm going to give you my most prized possession, my brain, my body, and you're going to do whatever it is you're going to do because anesthesia is a black box. And most patients, sometimes they come into these scenarios and they say, the first question they say I don't want to die. I want to come home to my family. Exactly. Yeah. I have kids. Like I'm here to get my boobs done or my nose fixed or whatever it is. And nothing is worth leaving here in a, in a different, in a different way. And so what is my role is to leave them better than I found them. It's, it's a perfect segue actually, because a lot of our listeners are, are our patients and people have had surgery with us. And the one thing I've noticed over the years is not only did they give us praise, but they'll come back and say, your anesthesiologist was amazing. Mm -hmm. And we picked you, we hand picked you. you. You are the director of anesthesiology in our surgery center and for our practice. And you know, it's because we've worked with, we've worked with a lot of different anesthesiologists. And before we built our own surgery center, before we built our own, you know, practice where we do everything in house, we would go into other surgery centers and we wouldn't pick our anesthesiologist. Just like the patients got what they got, we would just get an anesthesiologist. And for the most part, board certified anesthesiologists do their job very well. But the difference is what you just talked about, what Dr. Lakey just talked about is making the patient feel so comfortable that 
not only, I mean, you find out more about our patients than we do sometimes, yeah, but it's yeah. amazing because you make them feel comfortable to the point where before they're going to sleep, they're not anxious. They And, and in, a, in an interesting way, you make them manifest their best result. And it really is great. Now, at the same time, the anesthesia is amazing. They go to sleep smoothly. They wake up smoothly. And that's that's really what we look for. But the extra, the personality that you bring in is, is the special part of being Dr. Lohenbein. Um, and we appreciate that. Not everybody gets that. Um, not every anesthesiologist is like that. And most patients that have surgery, they don't remember their anesthesiologist. So whatever you're doing, my man, we appreciate it because mm -hmm. it makes a big, big difference. Yeah, I think, um, you know, and we're going to, I definitely want to outline in detail some of the the little things that you do that I notice that are different and it's not to give away your trade secrets or whatever, but I think it's to help improve any of the other anesthesiologists out there because, um, you know, again, we've dealt with different types of anesthesiologists our, our entire careers, and there are some uh, that are truly special. And it's you, it's not just the way you treat patients, but it's the way the patients feel afterwards as well. And so we're kind of touch on that. Um, you've treated thousands of patients obviously you know you've been with us for 10 years um what you know it's so interesting to me what would you if you wanted to describe the your thoughts on what people are actually afraid of uh when it comes to anesthesia yeah i mean when you think about it really anesthesia is a black box it is like this magical elixir that I put you to sleep. And really, what does that entail? It entails a lot of things, and I explain that to patients a lot of the time. So when they come to me and say, I'm afraid, and I can tell that they're nervous, I kind of just break it down for them. And I really kind of just take a step back and make it sim and simplify it. And I say, I, you're going to be amazing. I know you're going to be amazing. And just like you said, they have to visualize that. Mm -hmm. But when you really kind of take and kind of pick it apart, I say, I'm going to do, do three things for you. I'm going to take away your memory, because you can't remember the surgery. I'm going to control your pain because I don't want you to feel ouch. And of course, the other third part of anesthesia, which is interesting, is muscle and movement control. Because just like if we were sleeping and you were in bed and your partner pinches you when you're asleep, you're going to wiggle or you're going to flinch. And of course, that's not great for a surgical setting when the surgeon's trying to operate in a calm environment. So you kind of just break that down. You say, and I am there with you the entire time, keenly aware of everything that's happening, constantly giving, constantly taking away, and making sure that you are your perfect self. And as my career has progressed, really kind of without sounding too corny, less is more. Mm -hmm. This is an outpatient elective surgery. You're right. This is so different than an inpatient in the hospital surgery where you know that there's a recovery suite and there is a overnight suite and there's an ICU and there's like 10 nurses that are going to be there for you because you're not leaving the hospital for 24 hours. You know, I am only as good, and which is what you see, as my last anesthetic. How many times will a patient have a bad outcome until you ultimately say, you know what, you're not our guy anymore. Yep. You ultimately, the patient has to come in, get whatever it is that they're getting done, and they have to be able to, within a very short time, walk up, smile, and say, I feel pretty good. Yep. That was awesome. And so during that experience, I ultimately also have to make sure that they are feel, that they feel loved that they feel taken care of, and that they know that the medical aspect, that's a non-issue. But the fact of being afraid of anesthesia and what is it that people are afraid of, it's because 
you know, television, movies, they sensationalize mm -hmm. the errors of anesthesia, the, the tiny little percentages of the, wow, can I really be asleep and paralyzed and feel and hear? So that kind of comes to the point where I tell sometimes patients, I have to be so bad at my job that day. So like those three things I mentioned, I have to just say, nah, I don't really care about the movement aspect. Nah, I don't really care about the pain. I'm only going to put you to sleep and just kind of keep you under. And, and, I, and they'll say, well, can that happen? I say, well, it can if I was just literally out of the room or asleep or not you know, paying attention at all. Because we have such amazing monitoring equipment nowadays mm -hmm. that I literally have you, you know, wired from head to toe. Your brain, your heart, your vital science. And so I have to just be, I have to so disregard the blatant, obvious beeps and sounds and horns that yes, I have to be really bad at my job for you to actually have a bad outcome. Yeah, Not that I bad mean, outcomes can't happen, but I really have to just say, I don't care. You know, but it's, it's really, really interesting what you said, um, which is something we have to understand when we're doing outpatient surgery, it's very different than a hospital-based setting. An anesthesiologist can give um, as much an, you know, anesthetic to a patient that's having hospital-based surgery, and he'll be like, okay, they'll sit in the recovery room, then they'll go to a room and they'll be monitored. What Dr. Lohenbein's saying, we're done with an operation, they're gonna get up and go home. You know, Our patients don't go to the hospital. So there's gotta be that perfect dose of anesthesia that you give to these people. I mean, our patients, I, sp I spoke to the one, we, we did two cases yesterday together, and they both felt amazing. One actually stayed at Dr. Lakey's house last night. Um, <laughs> no, it was a good friend of ours. So we mm -hmm. get to really see how great these patients feel after because they're not getting a ton of anesthetic. You've got that perfect balance of what you give them um, where it's it takes years and years of experience to get there. Mm -hmm. And it has. I mean, at the beginning of my career, you end up, are, you're, you're trained for everything, cardiac anesthesia, neuroanesthesia. And I did a lot of outpatient anesthesia. I did a lot of anesthesia for pregnant moms, for epidurals. You know, you realize that how important it is for the, the post wake up, the first five, 10, 15 minutes, I can just give some medication and I can say bye-bye and walk out of the room and the nurses deal with it. Um, but that actually is not the best anesthesia you can deliver mm -hmm. um, for what you guys do in the aesthetics world. I mean, I need a patient just like our two patients yesterday. Within five minutes of that surgery being done, they were awake and chatting, having a sip of water. They were ready to get dressed and they were ready to just start their life. And more importantly, they felt great at night. They Correct. didn't have a ton of nausea or vomiting and things. And we'll get into all that post anesthesia sure. um, sequelae. Um, but yeah, it's it's really fascinating how you can take that hospital-based anesthesia that you've been taught and then alter it so these patients have the best experience. Yeah, I, I mean, listen, I kind of alluded to it earlier, and that was the fact that there is a specific method you use to ensure patient safety and comfort. Okay, it's different for every anesthesiologist, um, and each one has their uh, their own method. And whether it's successful or not, you know, you see at the end of the case. What do you do for either even twilight anesthesia or general anesthesia to ensure patient comfort and their safety? Right. So you. Um when you think about anesthesia, whether it be aesthetics or non-aesthetics, but we can talk aesthetics today, um, 
you can do as little as local anesthesia with the patient awake, mm-hmm. which, and then it kind of you know comes into a, a world of like called you know MAC MAC anesthesia, which becomes twilight, which becomes conscious sedation, which becomes general anesthesia. And so, if you think about it from one to ten, where are we in that? And that's a huge gray area. And that gray area is the nuance of why one makes one anesthesiologist is good and the other is bad. Because at the end of the day, the safety aspects of anesthesia are very simple. I am an airway specialist. I have to make sure that your patient is breathing, that their heart is functioning, that the brain is responsive. I mean, just the basics the, the, of the, you know, the tenets of life. But at the same time, while that is my responsibility, I can everything that I give affects all of the parts of, an, of the body. So any anesthetic does affect blood pressure, does affect uh, how blood is uh, going to the brain, the heart, the lungs. And so, you know, we have to adjust our anesthesia to the patient because everything is completely tailored to the patient. This is not the old days of the, you know, the sense of where the anesthesiologist walks in the room, uh, throws a dart at the patient, picks up the newspaper, and then just, you know, you know, comes back in the room when the patient's done. And so you tailor the anesthesia to the patient, but also have to tailor to the surgeon. And a lot of my anesthetics are different surgeon-based because some surgeons like different things. Sure. And so I have to do that. And so you create a concept of this is what this this surgeon likes, and this is how he wants it, and that's how he operates best. I mean, think about it even when, uh, let's say I'm doing a face and neck lift, and you control blood pressure, you know, down... uh, to the the number um, where I want to keep the blood pressure to avoid bruising and bleeding and things like that. But obviously, then you gradually bring it back up as opposed to, you know, reversing and and causing issues. Um, I, I always marvel at that because, you know, there's it, there are there are a lot of moving parts and you are constantly looking, evaluating and and adjusting as necessary. Yeah, and, and, and I know and, and I know that I do that for aesthetics. I, I do a lot of spine surgery as well, and it is not uh, it happens a fair amount of the time where the spine surgeon looks at me and goes, "That was great." And he, and he knows, because he's like, there was no bleeding. His visual field was, was clear where he can actually operate, and it saves time and it saves just you know less manipulation Recovery, of the surger, surgical site. And we had it was, I think it was a month ago. Um, I think we had three spine surgeries back to back to back. And he, on the third one, he goes, I don't want to jinx it, but like this was amazing. And he goes, what are you doing? And the reality is, is that at a certain point, it's like, one, I'm caring. right? I, I'm, <laughs> yeah. I, I'm actually paying attention. Mm-hmm. And I just know that I need to perform at the highest level for the surgeon to perform at the highest level. Because at the end of the day, the surgeon, and not that I'm disregarding the surgical knowledge of anesthesia, they don't know what I'm doing. Yeah. And, and and that's very true. And it's interesting because we have a lot of patients that come in and and I know this happens on a daily basis. Um, I don't want to go to sleep or I don't want general anesthesia or the guy next door is doing this uh, while I'm awake or, hey, can you do this um, so I don't have to have a breathing tube? And there are all these questions because nowadays, you know, unfortunately, I don't want to call it a gimmick, but there's so many different ways people are doing things. People are doing facelifts under local they're doing breast dogs under local thing and and what i'm i want to kind of dispel this fear because there is this fear with anesthesia that's why they're doing it and i've always said the same thing to people i've, I've said now practice insurance for an anesthesiologist is probably the lowest for most uh practitioners because it's a very safe practice um 
please just educate our viewers that going to sleep or getting anesthesia or getting general anesthesia is not something that should be so fearful about. Yeah, I mean, let's think about why that patient is afraid and why the fear is, you know, they say like, I had a bad uh, story from my aunt, from my mom, from some family member that something happened during anesthesia. And a lot of times I tell patients, sometimes while we try to control everything in the operating room, things are uncontrollable and bad things can happen. Mm -hmm. And while they're being very rare, I mean, we have to be realistic with the patients. Not that everything can be puppy dogs and rainbows, but at the same time, that education becomes the, 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 the verbal speech of sometimes I tell patients, your body has to fail on me for something bad to happen, which means I don't want to have a heart attack. I don't want to have a stroke. I don't want, that means that your heart has to have a functional problem that to happen and we make sure exactly. prior to getting into surgery exactly and so, we'll talk about that so, in a minute so we we take utmost care for our patients from the first time they walk in the door from the consultation to the pre-op experience to by the time they get to the the actual room and the table where we know that they are there in their optimal shape that they can be so when a patient is finally ready for on the surgical day and they're still afraid like yes something innate with their body sometimes has to happen. Now, can I create that badness by something that I'm doing? Sure. Because most of the Yeah, problems, you're disrupting the milieu. Uh, you know, you correct. can do it at any point. So. Most of the, of the problems that happen <clears throat> in the operating room based off of anesthesia are usually human error. We can't, we have to take ownership of that, which is why I take my role so seriously where it says like, you guys see me. I am, I am, a little bit OCD. I am perfect. Like I, all my number, like everything has mm -hmm. to be in order. Like I don't bring a patient in. I'm not ready for surgery until I'm ready for surgery, which mm -hmm. means that everything's calculated. Everything's drawn up. Everything's weight based. And these are the things that you probably don't really see, but that, that is actually what's happening. Mm -hmm. And so if I create an error or something were to happen to a patient, it might be me. Mm -hmm. And so I have to be, you know, I have to take that knowledge and, and take that incredibly serious. So a patient, so that's why when we say like, they have to trust me within 30 seconds of knowing me, they don't, they, you know, it's something the patients say like, I never knew met my anesthesiologist. You guys say like, oh, your patients love you. I know they love you. They love me because when I come into the office and they see me, they hug me. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. And they bring so you gifts. Well, right. I yeah. mean, they're, they're wonderful, <laughs> but I mean, I, you know, that's not happening no, a lot of, of the course times. not. And so there is, and so I take most of my patients in under my wing as my family. So we've all right? had procedures. Yeah. I had I had a colonoscopy not long ago. I don't remember the person who gave me propofol. Mm -hmm. I don't. I really, really don't. And it's a gift that you have. But it's but it's interesting what I asked you. So the the listener that's 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 listening in on this and is thinking about having surgery. How much easier is it for a patient to go to sleep and have surgery? then stay awake and get local anesthesia and have surgery. Yeah, the, the concept I mean, it's just, that, it doesn't, it doesn't make sense right. to me how people want to get tortured and not just go to sleep, be comfortable, have your surgeon do your thing, wake up and you'll be a lot better off, right? Right. So, so let's talk about the, the, the surgeons that want to brag about a practice that says, I don't need anesthesia. I'm just going to do it without it. Um, with the right anesthetic, it is first of all, the same. Yes, you are adding some anesthesia, you're adding the comfort of the patient, but you're also changing the way the surgeon uh, can operate. Mm -hmm. There is no reason why a surgeon should ha take wear both hats on an operative day. For the surgeon to be um, 
you know, where truly focused on what truly they're focused doing. on the surgery. He should not be delivering oral medications or directing some kind of RN or nurse to deliver a conscious sedation medication because he truly is responsible for now the airway and the life of that patient. Mm -hmm. So if something were to happen, he better be ready to defend himself. Now, for for the perfect surgery or the perfect outcome, the surgeon should be 100% focused on what? The surgery. Absolutely. And so for him to punt the anesthesia and say, I can do both, why is he doing it both? Is he doing it because it's a marketing ploy? Because, oh, look at me, I'm so great that I can do both? Mm-hmm. Or is it just because... Save money. Well, I didn't want to say it, but yeah. <laughs> it's just because that's because, you know, one mm-hmm. patient will say like, well, I can go to surgeon A or surgeon B who's a little bit more expensive. Well, they're, what they're going to do, uh, uh, the surgeons that do that, they're going to say that the patient recovers faster in a setting where it's local with sedation. And I would argue that if the general anesthetic is done correctly, they can recover, uh, you know, just as quickly, and be more comfortable. But, yeah. but let me know if I'm wrong. On right. That. So so let's so and I've done so I've done so many cases in my career with oral medication. So who would be best to know actually how an oral medication works? It's me, mm. right? You would say, oh, I just gave him a, a you know a pill, and all of a sudden you know, bye-bye, and the patient was in la-la land, and I was able to do their liposuction. I mean, wow, it was great. They even stood. They even raised their arms. But that patient comes home, and the half-life of those oral medications are way longer Mm. and more detrimental to that patient coming home for a a problem at home and recovery, falling in the car. I didn't even remember coming home. Yep. And as opposed to what I can give, where it's short-acting in an acute setting where I am actually in control of that patient, where they can get up, get out of the wheelchair, and walk. We want a patient to be able to come home, use the restroom, be aware of their facilities, mm-hmm. be aware of what's happening. God forbid there is a problem instead of just going home because they've overdosed themselves on some halcyon. And even though the surgeon says, great, I didn't have to pay an anesthesiologist because I kept you know, the anesthesia portion of that. And then all of a sudden the patient's home and says, I didn't remember three days. Yes. Wow. And so the patients don't realize that because sometimes they just see dollars mm-hmm. and they're happy because they didn't have to pay. Sure. And they got away with it. But yeah. how many, let's talk to the, to the surgeons that, that do that and see how many times have they had an issue. Because now the surgeon goes home, and he better follow up with that patient or have his staff follow up with that patient to make sure that patient is okay and woke up the next morning. Uh, listen, yeah. I've, I've done cases under local because patients are too scared to have anesthesia, and I'll say, fine, I'll do it. It's miserable for the patient. The patient's just uncomfortable. It doesn't matter how much pain medicine you give. Mm-hmm. It's just a lot better, and I think the outcomes are better when you have anesthesia. But yeah, yeah. Uh, what are some of the challenges in particular that you faced as your role in an anesthesiologist and in an aesthetic setting? I mean, the the aesthetic setting, you know, obviously comes with its challenges mm-hmm. uh, yeah. because <laughs> the, you know, I, I always kind of joke with family friends that as soon as somebody, you know, a patient has two ways to get medical care in this country: they have insurance, or they pay cash. Mm-hmm. And as soon as a patient pays cash, and they're about to hand somebody a dollar wow, that patient feels like they own the surgeon and they own that whole experience. And that experience better be really good. And we are in, yes. we are in yes. a service industry mm-hmm. where we have to continue to provide high quality service because at the end of the day, that service industry is a referral-based service industry. Just like as how do I keep my job, I have to keep on doing a great service. Yeah. That patient, you you need more patients based on referrals. Right. And if so, all of our patients were nauseous afterwards, 
and they told everybody else, yeah, listen, surgery went really well, but you're going to be nauseous as I'll get out. Um, that's a big fear for mm -hmm. patients. You know, almost patients almost dislike nausea more than pain because the pain we usually can control. Nausea sometimes is very difficult. It's horrible. And so I've, uh, I've done, I have a, a fair amount of techniques that I do for nausea mm -hmm. that, are, that are pretty magical. Um, and again, you know, where I go to other centers where I do something and they're like, oh, you know, patients, you know, another anesthesiologist had this patient and this happened again, probably about a month ago. It was a spine surgery. Another anesthesiologist did spine surgery. I finished my case. A nurse called me and said, God, patient is just, you know, once you're having uh, neck surgery, the, really the last thing you need to do is start vomiting. Yeah. And so the nurse said, what can we give them? And I said, have they tried this? And they go, oh, we don't do that. And I said, well, we're going to do it today. Yeah. And what does that mean <laughs> is that I'm, I'm now in the recovery room with the patient, monitor them, doing whatever I'm doing. And five minutes later, patient's like, I am, it's, this, is, this is night and day. So you, so I know I have tricks in, in yep. my bag that I do, and patients ultimately do better. Yep. So it's it's not that uh, I'm not wanting to tell any anesthesiologist that asked me. It's really just you just have to want to do it. It takes time. It takes effort. It's harder to provide an amazing, um, you know, sedation, anti nausea, anesthesia than it is just to put a quick breathing tube, turn on some gas, and say call me when the case is done. And, and that's it. let's transition to that for, for a second, because um, a lot of people ask me this, and, and perhaps I'm ignorant to this, so maybe that's why I'm asking you. When you do put people to sleep, like we did two cases yesterday, people ask me, so what am I going to sleep with? What are they using? So there's gas, so there's inhalation anesthetic, right? And then there's IV anesthetic. And just in a short, without getting too technical for the listeners, what do we normally use to put people to sleep and how do we keep them sleep? And uh, how do we prevent that nausea and vomiting as well in a simple layman's kind of term, if you can? Right. So uh, for most of the cases that we do that are, uh, I'm going to call it either a combination of uh, <clears throat> like a IV infusion anesthesia mm -hmm. that people would like to say it's like twilighty. Um, versus a general anesthetic. I really have a, 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 it's like a combination of both. Right. So I don't, my, you know, my general anesthesia is a secure airway, but at the same time using mostly IV medications to try to avoid a lot of the inhalational agents. Not that the inhalational agents are bad. With time, of course, historically, we start with the ethers and then we, you know, or we have all the generations of different gases. They all have their, uh, different reasons why you would use one versus the other. Um, the, in, the IV infusion medications tend to be a little less um, disruptive to certain aspects of the body, and definitely some of them are way better for nausea purposes. That's why when someone says, like, I had a colonoscopy, that was great, just do that. Mm -hmm. And so the, the more information I elicit from a patient the better that anesthesia will have, you know, will be. When 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 a patient says, I I had this, and that's why I ask. Like even even when it comes even to the IV, like it, it's not a failure on my part to say to the patient, when you get a blood draw or when you get an IV, where do they usually go? This isn't because I don't know how to start an IV or where to find veins. Most of the patients will say, this is where they go. Yeah. They, this is where this is the success. You're only just using the information to make the best experience. Why should I start or try an IV 10 times? And then the patient says, 
oh, they usually go here. That's the only exactly. good thing. No, it makes sense. And so, but with yep. that with that analogy, it's yep. the same with anesthesia. So I say, how have your last anesthetics been? What have you had done? Mm-hmm. And what have they used? Yep. I mean, those three questions can be so uh, powerful for me to change the outcome at the end. And it's not a it's it's not a failure on me to ask, you know, have you had this medication, that medication? So to answer your question, yes, it is a combination of IV infusion medications. Um, yes, lots of lots of anti nausea medications. There is no um, uh, failure in using any of this mm-hmm. and and then ultimately you transition into the smooth wake up and so ultimately you want a quick wake up some surgeons are um, you know what makes a good anesthetic is patient goes to sleep really fast patient wakes up really fast mm-hmm. and patient walks out of the operating room and the surgery center fast Absolutely. but that right in there right you, you that's like the perfect storm sometimes it, let's say it doesn't happen but you really have to hit all those uh points to make that happen yep without a doubt uh, you know in you all of the the cases that you've seen, I know we, I can think of a few, but any um, would you say memorable experiences or success stories that uh, that that come to mind when we say what was one of my best um, patients or experiences uh, since you've been with us or I mean in cosmetic surgery? Sure, I mean obviously we live in this town. So you're gonna, it doesn't, you're not, you don't have to throw a rock very far to hit a celebrity. Mm-hmm. But so, yeah, so that's always fun and great and it's excitement and the OR on that day and we do a fair amount of celebrities. But the reality is, is that the, the everyday patient is my most memorable story mm-hmm. because those patients are the ones that you know have saved their money for time. And they've been just, you know, ever since high school, I hated this and now I'm 30 years old or four years old and I'm gonna change that and they've, They've done their research with both Dr. Danielpour and Dr. Lakey to say, like, this is the person that's going to kind of take that uh, anxiety and and the thing that I don't like, and they're going to change them. And we see that happen, right? So ultimately, when you say, um, you know, maybe on your end, what is it that you like about the being a plastic surgeon is that that immediate gratification. I have that immediate gratification of, wow, like I was there to be able to, to be along that ride with them. In training, I did a lot of epidurals for uh, pregnancy for you know delivery for moms. I love that. I mean, memorable in that sense because you just knew that you were you were a part of a of a moment of that patient's life, mm-hmm. and you were helping mom out in such this like magnanimous. And it's either going to be an amazing experience or <laughs> a bad it's not experience. Really. Yeah, and uh, yeah, so like m- memorable experiences. And to be honest, I remember a lot of patients. I mean, you know, like some people have you know faces and names, and because. Because I'm actually bonding with the patients on a on a on that kind of secondary tertiary level, I actually know about their lives. So I might not remember their faces right away, but I do remember that remember so much. So yeah, all the patients are memorable. It's because yeah. you care. That's what matters. No, it's so funny. I love I love that. You know, it's so funny. We'll walk into the room and say, "All right, what do they do for a living?" You know, uh, tell me, are they married? Are they not? You know, because it's he so does funny. Everything. A lot of times we don't get into that in a consultation. Sometimes we do, but. Um, you know, there are different reasons for people performing different procedures. And so a lot of times we don't get those type of details and we love, you know, walking into the room and having you say, oh yeah, by the way, they're uh, the CEO for this company and they've been there for uh, 12 years and they're married for 22 years and they've got three kids and this, it's so great because it makes also, them feel comfortable. It does. And it gives us something to talk about afterwards while we're taking yeah. off dressings or removing stitches or things like that. So you know, it's just a great combo. You know, the one thing that the listeners um, can appreciate is 
we spend a lot of time together, the three of us, uh, because we are surgeons and we're in the operating room and mm -hmm. he's our anesthesiologist, hand-picked. And we're very lucky. We really are because this camaraderie that we have, the three of us, with our nurse and our scrub and everyone else that works with us as and well. And now with Dr. Resident And well, Dr. Resident. It's, it's amazing. Um, but this really works and it makes days really fun. Um, and our jobs are really fun. And that's I think that's why we're good at what we do. Now, I don't want to sound incredibly arrogant, uh, but I'm saying this more for you, Dr. Lonebun. You're so good at what you do. Make it easy. Is because you love it and you make it fun. Like we come to work and days go, 12 hour days go by like that because it's a pleasure. It really yeah. is. There's no, yeah. it, there's no, um, tension it's not stressful because you take that away for us and i think the one thing that we need to talk about about an anesthesiologist an anesthesiologist can make a surgeon's life really easy mm -hmm. or very difficult yep. and you do everything to make it just really easy from providing perfect anesthesia to the patient calming the patient making the patient feel so relaxed, knowing our styles and how we like things to be, whether the bed needs to come up, which bed is hard enough in down. itself. <laughs> and the biggest icing on the cake is you know how to order lunch. <laughs> <laughs> As you, you definitely know our palate. And so, well, no, I, and, and I thank you for all those things you said. I mean, the reality is, is that when I was picking a profession and I told, I think my mom or my dad that you, I was going to do anesthesia, they were shocked. They said, but you are so great with people and you're not going to talk to people. <laughs> and it's funny said, because that's a, that is a perception. And, and the perception of anesthesiologists is that they're uh, nerdy, weird. They sit in a corner, they do their thing and that's it. But the reality is... is so that, three out of the four. Right. Or three out of the four, yeah. yeah. Um, that was funny. But ultimately, like, the people I talk to, the, the family I create is in the operating room. I spend more time with both of you than sometimes I do with my own family. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, to the listening audience, uh, these, both of these physicians in front of me are amazing. They're amazing doctors, but they're amazing people. And Thank you, buddy. I don't say that. We because, didn't pay him for that. I know. <laughs> and I don't say that because I work with both of you. You know, I work with you because I can say that. And that has made, you know, the joy and the happiness come to me in, in my profession. Because the profession is hard. What yeah, we do yeah. is not uh, is not easy, and I'm not saying easy as in it's. I, you know, I've always I always said like I don't have to come to work and lift boxes. Yeah. So it's not like it's a physically demanding job, but it's Sometimes. emotionally yeah. and mentally, <laughs> it, it, you know, demanding. Um, but when you're with people that make the experience better, um, it really changes the dynamic of how we work how our lives go and i think it's representative on on the patients yeah it's, so like right. it's like with any it's like any business you walk into right and I'm so the patients pick up on that pretty quickly mm -hmm. and so your business is successful because you've created that environment so it really starts on the top from you guys um, you know i i think for all the listeners and viewers that out there why don't we give some important tips let's say you are you're scheduled for an elective surgery. You're a month out, two weeks out, two days out. What are some tips and tricks that you would give to those particular patients so that the process is seamless? Obviously, you do what you do, but what can a patient do to gear up or get themselves ready to optimize them for surgery? 
Great question. So first and foremost, I wouldn't be changing my habits in a drastic way before surgery. Mm -hmm. And what I mean by that is like, oh, I started a three week juice cleanse. And so you come to the, uh, you know, surgery, a little malnutritioned and yeah, you're yeah, not yeah. used to kind of the things that your body's used to doing. Um, obviously, we're going to prep you for surgery in a way where like if you were drinking alcohol, if you were smoking, like you've had to meet the requirements that we're trying to get you to be the best patient you can be on that day. Mm -hmm. So um, but as far as, you know, so, yes, follow all your all your doctor recommendations for for a pre-surgery uh, experience. But you're going to talk to people and say, oh, I got I got uh, six coffee enemas and I got so and so <laughs> this because they said so, oh, I needed to be clean. And, this. and all of a sudden you start changing the the electrolyte balance of your body, mm -hmm. you start changing things that are just a little bit on the strange uh, side. Yeah. On the strange side. So definitely I wouldn't do that. Um, and also I think on the day of surgery where you say like, you know, tips or, or trades is you have to be really honest with us. Yes. Yes. <laughs> you know, we can only, uh, we only know what you tell us. And so like, for instance, what's the, one of the biggest buzz uh, topics today? Ozempic. Ozempic, while it's an amazing medication, can cause certain issues with gastric motility, which can cause an issue with anesthesia. Great yeah, point. Because we, as anesthesia specialists, what do we do? We want a secure airway. People always ask me, why am I not eating for anesthesia? They don't get it. Yeah. Or they come yeah. in the morning of it and say, ah, oh, I took a big swig of water. Was that okay? Even though we've told them 8,000 times. Yeah. Please don't do that. Yeah. You know, our bodies. When that we, stomach relaxes. Exactly. The water comes up exactly. or the food comes up and it goes right into your lungs. And so anesthesia, while like we mentioned, like kind of, you know, the three things that anesthesia does, one of the things is that it, it diminishes your your autonomic reflexes. It diminishes the things that you do that you don't are not even aware of. You go outside and there's a cold wind, you're going to blink. You're, you don't even realize you're blinking. You don't realize your heart is beating. You don't realize your body is doing certain things. You don't realize that every time you have a little bit of saliva in your mouth, you are swallowing. Mm -hmm. And so as we put you under an anesthesia, those reflexes go away, which is why I have to make sure I protect your corneas, your eyelashes, your lids. I protect your, your you know, that's why we, if we know that we're doing a, a surgery that the patient wants to be uh, the patient to, to, to move, to sit, to roll, to be on the back, whatever it is, we put in a, a breathing tube. And so with Ozempic, you are now delaying your gastric motility. Mm. So we are not having you, we're having you fast for surgery. So you, uh, your, so your stomach is empty mm -hmm. because if that reflex is gone, you could actually vomit the gastric contents that you've had in your, in your stomach. And it, of course, it, it has the possibility of entering your lung, causing a pneumonia, which is what we're trying to avoid. Mm -hmm. um, and that's been one of the biggest things where we've had to delay surgeries because patients don't tell us or they tell us on the morning of that they're still continuing it. Um, sorry, that was probably too. No, that's no, that's actually hanging. that's actually an excellent point that you brought that up because people don't understand that. And we and and it's important to just you have to be honest. You have to be honest with us when we ask you about your history, with whether or not you're smoking, things like that, because they can cause detrimental effects with your post-op course and your surgery. But you have to also be very honest with your anesthesiologist because of things like this. You know, put someone to sleep gastric contents comes up, goes into the lungs, it's a disaster. Right. Um, so the more we know, the better. Right, and, and patients can be embarrassed. I mean, sometimes patients are embarrassed by what medications they're taking, mm -hmm. what they did, what they ate, if they, I mean, it, like I would rather know that you snorted some cocaine last night Yes. than not. Yeah, absolutely. Right? Yeah. And, and don't be afraid yeah. or whatever type of a listener. We're not here to judge. We're not here to judge. I am actually just here to help. Like I am literally your... 
to prevent something bad. Yeah, you're right. I'm, I'm like the captain of this ship. Absolutely. I am like in the room. Like I know the surgeons are a vital role, but like I have to be the captain. Like I am in charge of you mm-hmm. in every aspect. And luckily, I'll tell you, throughout the time that we've worked together, and it's interesting. I got a thing that popped up on one of my Facebook feeds yesterday. It says seven years since we opened up the surgery center. Um, and knock on wood, we've never had an issue. And it's because that everything's been so thorough from Mm -hmm. the beginning to the middle to the end in the sense that we tee people up properly in the sense that sometimes even go above and beyond by getting preoperative clearance and getting over, you know, labs and chest x-rays and EKGs and all that people are like, why do you need all this? I'm, I'm healthy. And then we pass them off to you. You have all this to look at and then you do your thing and make sure that they go through surgery okay, and then the post-op recovery. And and I think it really needs to be meticulously done or else if anything falls through the crack there, it could be a big problem. Well, listen, I just wanted to thank you so much for coming today. We, You know we love you, and, and I'm sure our listeners appreciate all that they have learned. Um, you know, again, I think that there are true, there are anesthesiologists and there are really good anesthesiologists and you're definitely the latter. And so we're, we're definitely appreciative. So thank you so much for, uh, for being here and, and extolling the virtues of cosmetic anesthesia. Um, listen, for all of the listeners and viewers, thank you so much. Uh, hopefully you learned something today and it preps you if you are going to undergo surgery. Um, keep your uh, questions and comments coming in. We love hearing from you and giving the feedback. Once again, this is Forever Young. I'm Dr. John Lakey. And I'm Dr. Payman Danielpour. You can find us and listen to us wherever you listen to your podcast. Check us out on TikTok and YouTube at Forever Young. Peace. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.